all great stories have a beginning. If this is your first time joining us, we encourage you to start at episode one. To our returning listeners, welcome back to Sildum. Our show is a blend of radio drama, audiobook, and improvised role-playing game. I'm your host, Daniel Storm, and you are listening to the RPG Radio Show. I'm Zach McCann, and I play Gavin Rettler. I'm Andy Kanis, and I play Jacob Elias. I'm Luke Hatmaker, and I play Maze Tunnock. I'm Ben Sonic, and I play Dimitri Whisperoak. I'm Courtney Taylor, and I play Sonata Stillbrook. Previously on the RPG Radio Show, the adventurers had dinner with Lord Brilliant Zilladim Kuldir. During the meal, Zilladim taught Maze a rather harsh object lesson about the dangers of only exposing your mind to one way of thinking. The Lord Brilliant ordered Maze to eat meat until he felt ill to highlight the point that, although meat is part of a balanced diet, meat alone and in excess can cause illness. Likewise, the informational diet that Maze was raised on was quite restrictive. Despite being a high-ranking church official, Zilladim did not appear to be overly pious or zealous. This, and Zilladim's behavior, seemed to trouble Maze a great deal. Chapter 30 Stitches in a Tabard You make your way back to your lavish and well-appointed room. A servant is still waiting outside the door and opens it for you as you rush down the hallway. The four-poster bed stands in the middle, but you can see in the wardrobe all of your old items of clothing. You can see the tabard that was stained ripped, ragged, has been washed to a near perfectly blinding white. As you approach, you can see small stitches have fixed any rip, tear, or tattered edge, while the garment is far from pristine. It looks as though it's been made whole once again. Hanging next to it is a nearly identical tabard. This one untouched by rip or tear, it looks as though it was freshly made. Taking this brief moment just to survey the room, Maze can't afford more than a second to do this as he barely, barely makes it to the chamber pot as all of the meat that Zilladim just forced him to eat, he just vomits it. He feels weak because his chest and the muscles in his stomach are just heaving all of this food out of his body. With his head hanging in the chamber pot, he's got bits of meat and spit in his beard. He thinks about what just happened, how the people that he thought were his friends really just sat around and watched while a man of power bullied him for no reason other than to prove a point, and that point seemed only to be that Maze was stupid. He thinks about how low Zilladim made him feel. He's not felt like that in a long, long time. He thinks about the outpost when he was a young boy and the bullying that happened there. He thinks of Farkham, his best friend, the two of them similarly vomiting like Maze is now when one of the other boys, Glar Gudman, had given them poisonous mushrooms as a joke. This is the sickest Maze has felt since that moment. 
As he's sitting on the floor, his head in the chamber pot, he looks at the contents of it. He doesn't picture Zilladim as a Lord Brilliant, but he pictures him as a bully like Glar Gutman. This is not what Maze was raised to believe a Lord Brilliant should be. This man seemed not of Hyksnos and his actions to make followers of Hyksnos appear stupid it really doesn't sit well with Maze. He turns around, leans against the chamber pot, hangs his head and looks at the floor a little bit. He feels alone, and it's not a feeling that he enjoys. He starts to fully take in the room again. And for the first time, he's actually aware of just the size of the room. This is the largest room that Maze has ever slept in. This doubles the size of the rooms that the families had at the outpost. He thinks of the Rumblehide children, how all three of the boys would cram into a room half this size. And the stark contrast puts things into perspective for Maze. He gets to his feet, walks over to the four-poster bed, and begins looking through the contents of the things that were left for him by Lord Zilladim. He sees the basics, rope, torches, and then he sees a bag of sunflower seeds. Several bags of sunflower seeds. He picks a bag up, grabs a handful, puts them in his mouth, and it's the best tasting sunflower seeds he's ever had. It makes him think of Damdal, the dwarven captain of the guard who was responsible for the supply drops at the outpost. Every single drop from when Maze was a boy, he made sure to bring sunflower seeds. Nothing better on Basaldir's soil, the dwarf used to say. He sits the sunflower seeds down, rounds the four-poster bed, and examines his repaired tabard. He runs his fingers along every stitch, remembering how the holes in the garment were made, how they were earned, almost. He takes a moment and really looks at his tabard before looking at the pristine new garment left for him by Zilladim. It looks like a gilded copy of the tabard that he is used to wearing. He runs his fingers along it, and the fabric feels different. The measurements of the new tabard appear to even fit Maze better than his older tabard. Maze has never had clothes that were made to fit him before. He thinks about the clothing that they wore on the outpost, sewn together from whatever fabric they could get their hands on. He thinks of Alita Costabo, his best friend Farkham's mother, and her daughters, and the sewing marathons that they would undergo to ensure that the outpost was clothed. Maze once again takes a step back and examines the two tabards. His eyes look down at what he is currently wearing, the silk shirt and leather trousers provided by Zilladim for their dinner suddenly realizing that he is essentially wearing a gift from Zilladim, he hastily removes the garment. 
the silk shirt, he takes it off, throws it in the box with the other supplies left for him by Zilladim. He removes the trousers, puts them in the box as well, and then he puts on his original tabard. And it's the first time that he has felt right again since he took it off. He grabs the newer fitted tabard, gently folds it up, puts it at the bottom of the box, and slides the box off of the four-poster bed. Maze will then take a moment before going and sitting down at the desk in his room. Maze glances over his shoulder, looking back at the contents of the box, the supplies left for him, the coin left for him, and he reaches into the desk, finds two pieces of paper, and begins to write two separate letters. Writing was not necessarily something that was taught on the outpost, so Mays has to take his time with this. Writing doesn't come easily to him, and he wants to make sure that he gets the proper words down. He takes longer than most to finish the two letters, and upon completion, he folds them and places them in his pocket. Mays examines the letters, taking a moment to think. He thinks about Lenriesh and their conversation. And then he thinks back to the outpost, specifically the day the outpost turned to ash. And then his thoughts traveled to Gavin. Things Gavin said, how his entire town had been reduced to ash. In quite the same way that Maze's outpost was also turned to ash. He thinks about his amulet, how Lenriesh said that that was the reason that he survived. He thinks of Gavin, how Gavin has no amulet, has no faith, and thinks about the reason he survived, it being simply because he was not there when his town perished. He thinks of what Gavin said. He said, you keep moving or you just stand still. These words ring in Maze's head for a moment as he realizes that he and Gavin really aren't that different. The only real difference being Maze clung to his faith during times of trauma and pain, whereas Gavin ran from it. He thinks of this and he thinks of what Lenriesh said. He said that some are called to walk a path blighted by death and violence so that others may live in peace. He thinks of Gavin and of how the young man's path has only seemed to have been blighted by death and violence in the time that they have known each other. Mace thinks on this for, for a while. He knows that Hyksnos does not abandon her children. And for the first time, he begins to think what part she may intend for Gavin to play in the grand scheme of things. As Maze continues to try to solve the mystery of what happened, not just to his outpost anymore, but also what happened to Gavin's village, Maze refuses to believe that Hyksnos would allow her children to drown from wave after wave of grief and sadness. He, he, he believes that Hyksnos is love and his god... She loves all of her children, including Gavin. Gavin may not see that, but Maze, Maze knows it. He sees that their paths have too much in common for Gavin to not have a larger role to play. He begins to think about 
their upcoming expedition into the wild, and he thinks about what Len Riesch said. He wonders why his path would lead to the wild, but he trusts his lady, Hyksnos, and he knows that she would not send him somewhere that he would not be capable of handling. Lost in thought for some time, he feels for the two letters in his pocket before getting to his feet, walking to the door, and before leaving, he goes to the box and grabs a bag of sunflower seeds before sticking his head out and looking for the steward or servant from earlier. Uh, The same servant who opened the door for you when you were in such a rush to get into the room is still standing there, white-gloved hands folded before him. Sorry you had to hear that. Sure, uh, something at dinner didn't quite sit right with me. Um, those two dwarves that joined us, uh, Nimd and Glena, would you mind, uh, showing me, uh, which direction their room's in? I'd be delighted to take you that way now. Please, follow me. Thank you kindly. The diminutive dwarf dressed in the livery and colors of Lord Zilladim leads you down several winding hallways, up several staircases, and leads you to a door that's not too dissimilar from the one that leads to your chambers here in the palace. Maze will approach the door, tapping a rhythmic knock on it. There's just a few moments before the door cracks open and you see Nemda's eye before she opens the door fully and she says, Ah, Maze, Uh, You can see some of her hair is a little bit askew, and you can hear from within the chambers a singing Glena who seems to be full of energy and exuberance, despite the late hour. Ah, miss, uh, I'm sorry, I've been dealing with a child who has given far too much cake while I was not in her presence. Uh... Uh, Come in, please come in. She would love to see you, I'm sure. And honestly, I could use the help. Well, I'm happy to help. I'm sorry for bothering you at such a late hour. Um, Nimda, can I ask you a favor? Uh, sure. Um, I assume it's nothing dangerous or... No, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put you in any sort of position like that. Um, we're probably gonna be venturing somewhere where we might not be coming back for a while. You're going to the wild. I will pray for you every day that you are gone. Thank you. Maze is amazed at how much that gesture means to him. He doesn't remember the last time that someone, a friend of his, offered to pray for him. And he forgot how much such a small gesture really means to him. At this moment, Glena comes rocketing around the corner into the small foyer that you're standing in. And she says, Miss, they had so many kinds of cakes. I had berry cake and I had lemon cake and I had a cake with little sprinkled sugar horses on top. Which, which one was your favorite? Oh, I don't know. I tried a new type of chocolate cake tonight. I just took one bite of each one. It was so amazing. I mean, that's that's probably why you're running off the wall now, ain't you, little lady? Well, uh... And she gives a sidelong glance to Nemda and puts up a hand as though to shield Nemda from the conversation. She says, My mom doesn't normally let me eat that much cake, but, well, she was in the meeting, so... 
I eat a lot of cake. Maze cracks a smile and he bends down to her level, matching the same gesture that she did trying to hide Nimda from the conversation. And he says to Glina, it'll be our little secret. And he winks at her. Oh, it is okay. She already knows. It is why I can't sleep. Well, I brought you something else, so you're going to have to have this tomorrow, okay? If you put this on top of all that cake, it might give you a tummy ache. And Maze is going to reach into his pocket and pull out the full bag of sunflower seeds and give it to her. But before he fully hands it to her, he's going to stop and say, Now you got to behave your ma now, all right? At least till I get back. She looks to Nemda who gives her a slight nod of permission and she grabs the large bag and looks inside as she grabs out a fistful of sunflower seeds. She holds them up to the, to the light of an arcane lamp that's hanging in this foyer. And she says, but there's no butterflies or hummingbirds in this bag. Well, yeah, this, that was a Jacob's special bag. You know how he is. Oh, he is very special. I I love the tricks he does, and I love when he plays music. Uh, He is a very funny guy. Now, there's no tricks in this bag. This is just good old-fashioned sunflower seeds, and there's nothing like it on Basaldir's soil. Every time I have one, I shall remember you until you come back, and we will pray for you every night and, and every day. When she says that, Maze will pick her up and hug her. He's a little overwhelmed. He didn't realize how long it had been since someone had offered to pray for him and how much he needed it. She hugs you back, leaving the large sack of sunflower seeds on the ground as you pick her up. After he hugs her, he will move her to his left hip. Maze will reach into his pocket and pull out the two letters. He'll walk over to Nimda and say, now all I need you to do is mail these letters for me. One of them's got a decent amount of coin going with it, but it's going to the church. I just need you to mail these for me. All right, I I can do that. Thank you. Thank you for everything, uh, Nimda. Don't think I realized how much I needed someone like you and little Glena here pop up in my life. If I said the same, it would be a vast understatement. As far as I'm concerned, well, the only reason we even made it here is because Hyksnos blessed us with you. She put us in your path, and Maze, we will never be the same, and I truly believe that she is working through you, and I hope I hope that she is working in you to heal some of those wounds that did not leave any one of the multitude of scars that you bear. And she kind of takes in your form and the multitude of scars that she can see just across your hands and arms. You may be called to do great things, You may be called to do terrible things. Do not lose sight of the good man, of the man who would walk down dangerous stretches of the Beacon's Highway, counting birds with my little one. 
no matter how you have to use that sword, I hope that someday you will find that you have no need of it anymore. Those days may be far off, Maze, but I hope for your sake that when all is done, when Hyksnos has taken you down her righteous path, I hope at the end there is some peace and happiness for you. Maze swallows hard and is at a loss for words. He's not received this sort of beautiful, true, kind conversation with someone in a really, really, really long time. He squeezes Glena and starts to walk toward the bed. He says, All right, little lady, now what you say, let's give your mama a break, okay? You can see that as you and Nemda were having this brief conversation, she's kind of snuggled up to your chest and and it appears as though the sugar high that she was on before appears to be coming to an end and she seems to be crashing very quickly and she seems to be getting very sleepy in your arms. All right, let's, let's get you tucked in and say your prayers now, okay? Okay. Will you say them with me? Of course. Um, how about this? I'll lead you in one that I used to... Uh, anyway, you, you ready? Yes. All right. Maze will um, tuck Glena in really, really well. He wants this little girl to be as comfortable as she's ever been. He gets her tucked in, and he takes both her hand and her mother's hand and leads them in a short little goodnight prayer, one very, very, very familiar to him. Hyksnos bless and Hyksnos keep. Hyksnos guard me while I sleep. Bless my heart and bless my home. Bless my spirit as I roam. Guide and guard me through the night and wake me with your morning light. As you finish those last words, you can see that Glena has fallen asleep. As you crouch next to her bed, you're still a fair bit taller than Nemda, but she embraces you nonetheless as you're nearer to her level than ever before. She whispers in your ear, May the light of Hyksnos guide your path. Be safe, Maze. Be safe. Maze will squeeze her, touch Glena on top of her head before exiting the room, remembering the way back to his room. And he sits once again at the desk, lost in thought before, like Glena, he too slowly drifts off to sleep. And that's where we'll end the adventure for now. Thanks for listening to the RPG Radio Show. Want to know what Maze wrote in those letters? Those letters and a few other secrets and all of the music and ambiance tracks we create are available only to our Patreon supporters at the Blind Inquisitor tier. Check out patreon.com slash RPG Radio Show to find out more. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on whatever podcasting app you use. Thanks, and we'll meet you back in Sildoom soon.